This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Tyler, how's it going? I'm doing good, Metcalf. You know, I get so excited when I realize it's Thursday um, because it's just like this is the the ribbon on top of the bow of the week. Tomorrow's Friday. I get to end the, the week talking hoops with you on the Thursday podcast. So another good episode. I'm excited. Things are getting crazy. I'm already getting nervous and pumped at the same time for the uh, plethora of work we're going to have for the next couple of months, but um, let's get after it. How are you doing, sir? How's everything? How's the pup? How's the pup? We got to educate everybody about the updates on the pup. The the spirits are high. The the playfulness is there, which is encouraging. She's still being stubborn about eating, uh, which isn't great. But yeah, the so we're day to day. The, the, the vital the vitals are all good. So we're we're thinking just a little stomach bug. Um, take her into the vet, get some medications tomorrow. Should be good to go. No 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 dire worries like there was the other night when I was up till two in the morning at the ER with her. But should be good. So she's in she's in load management with correct. If it was the playoffs, she could play. If oh, she was absolutely. in March Madness, she could be okay. All right, so absolutely. that's where we're at. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Home stretch. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're just biding our time. Um, but yeah, so pups all good. I'm good. I'm a day away from being on the side of a mountain skiing for a couple of days, which I cannot wait for. Um, but like you said, we get to wrap up our week talking hoops, which I'm incredibly thankful for. And this week, I we're right on the precipice of these postseason tournaments and the season is over this weekend. Um, we're going headfirst into conference tournaments and then March Madness is right around the corner. So it felt like a good time to kind of start throwing around some postseason storylines that we could see developing. And we're going to start off today's conversation with some ones that we think are pretty likely to happen. So we're each bringing three to the table, ranging from mild and sp- mild to spicy to lava hot. So as we progress throughout, we're going to kind of devolve into more absurdity and have a little more fun with it. Um, but to start off with your story, with a storyline that you think is likely to happen, where are you at? You know, I, I really do. I, I talked about this with Stephen Gillespie um, the other day. We were doing a little bit of a March Madness preview, and he brought up a good point that I think is going to be fun to watch. Um, I think the battle at the top still is going to be really notable Like when, when it comes to Paulo Bencaro, Jabari, um, Chet, obviously, and, and you know even someone like Ivy or, or Johnny Davis. I think... You know, March Madness, as you know, Metcalf, like this is where guys get some late steam. Guys get a little bit of a push when it comes to buzzing in draft circles. And, and I feel it's going to be interesting to see what team of those guys goes the furthest because I feel like they're going to be in a position where they're going to have like the last opportunity to kind of send a statement to the NBA, you know, draft world. And I was just thinking about that after Steven brought that up. And I was like, yeah, that, that that's kind of a real shot to be true. And um, you know, someone like Ben Caro, I, I'm specifically going to be watching closely because if Duke can make a little run and he takes his game to another level, because I think he's going to be motivated to remind everyone, you know, like he belongs in the conversation for the top pick. So, I mean, it, it's it's easy to talk about those guys, but I really do think it's going to be thrilling to see because that margin's getting narrow. Um, and and I, I really do think someone's got – a chance during these last conference tournaments and the 
NCAA tournament to kind of make one final push before, you know, draft workouts and interviews and stuff like that. What about yourself? Who are you, who are you looking at? What are you thinking is a good storyline moving forward? Yeah, so I, it's ours kind of tie in together. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you're viewing it a little more where the race for number one or two is a little wider. And I think that Chet and Jabari are going to pretty much separate themselves from the rest of the pack as the top two yeah. picks. Um, what both those guys do is pretty absurd. Um, when you look at their physical profiles and skill and shooting defense and just everything combined into one package, it's a really unique combination. Um, and I, I've had Chet number one all year. I don't care that he's skinny. Uh, get over it. There's so much other things that he does on the court that the skinniness doesn't matter. If he relied on overpowering guys, then yes, the skinniness matters. That's not how he plays. He plays with skill, awareness, length, all of that stuff. He knows he's skinny. He compensates for it and is one of the best rim protectors we've seen since Anthony Davis. Um, So I I think those two are really going to separate themselves from the rest of the pack. It wouldn't surprise me if Paolo kind of gets... If if Duke makes a big run, he's going to have to be shooting it well. He hasn't shot well down the stretch besides their last two games he did, but there's like a 10-game stretch there where he was shooting really poorly, which has been kind of my big concern with him all season. Um, so just the, the skill set, the uniqueness, the size, the versatility of Chet and Jabari, I think both of them are primed to make really deep both conference and NCAA tournament runs, and their versatility is really going to shine and just push them so much farther ahead of the pack um, than everyone else. Yeah, I I think you're right about that. I I think those two are definitely separating themselves. I just have this weird hunch, um, this really weird feeling that like Paulo beginning of the year when they played played Gonzaga in Vegas, that dude had energy coming out of the play. Like it was just surging through the entire building. He was running around the floor like a little kid on Christmas morning. And and I'm just wondering if there's going to be another spark where he's going to be like, all right, it's time for everyone to like, everyone's going to be watching me. I got the national spotlight. This is my statement. This is my time to remind the world. Like I belong to be in that conversation, but I do think it's going to be interesting because like you said, he has so much damn talent, um, yeah. the footwork, the size, the offensive firepower. I'm not denying that. And he's had to do a lot of heavy lifting when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. But you, it's going to be interesting to see the shot. Um, if he can put together a couple strong stretches where he's shooting the ball well from, you know, shot selection and from outside, I really do think that could start to make his case a little bit warmer um, to get up there. But I still think with what Chet and Jabari have done lately, it's going to be hard to knock them down. But, you know, Paulo can do some stuff. Like, he might go on a tear. He has the upside to all of a sudden get nuclear from the field and maybe he puts up a 30-point game or something like that. Like, he has that upside. So, I'm like you. It's going to be really fun to watch those. Um and, you know, like we, we got to talk about this before we move forward. The Johnny Davis, Jaden Ivey debate, like it, that's yes. going to be fascinating, too, because, you know, we're talking about those top three. And I also want to figure out, like, who's going to be the top guard? Like, who is it going to be? Because I go back and forth every day. I, I, I know you love Johnny Davis, but I feel like it's pretty much what side of the bed you wake up on. Uh, um, there's just so much talent. Yeah, I'm glad that you kind of re-brought up Ivy and Davis there because I, I wanted to pivot to them, um, not for a new storyline or whatever, but because you mentioned them earlier and those are the final two guys that kind of round out my top five. And I, I've been on Johnny Davis Island all season. I think he's the best guard in this class. Um, and I have that pretty much locked in. I, I think he's pretty much locked in at number four, Ivy right behind him at five, but the 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 two-way impact that Johnny Davis carries on a nightly basis for that team is absurd. He's their primary scoring option. He's the best passer on the team. And then he's defending the opposing best player every single night on every single position. On both these matchups against Purdue, he was guarding Ivy from pretty much start to finish. Obviously, there's some switches and stuff in there throughout the game. 
but the majority of the time he was on Jaden Ivy and Ivy was hiding in the corner on another guard. Um, I, I think the defensive impact that Davis brings to the table far outweighs anything Ivy does defensively. Um, Ivy, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, but Ivy just seems disinterested on that end of the floor where if he's off ball, he's kind of standing with his hips on his or his hands on his hips. Um, and I just rarely see him pick up the opposing, the best opposing guard. Um, it's, it's frustrating because he has the athleticism to do it. He has the athleticism and strength and all of that stuff to be this really good defender. So maybe it's just a thing of coaching staff, not telling him to do it. Maybe it's a thing of him just being frustrated, um, about his role on offense, because I I think we both agree that it's not ideal. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not trying to undersell Jaden Ivy because I, I 1000% understand the argument for Ivy over Johnny Davis, but the way that Johnny approaches the game in every single possession and does whatever his team needs him to do or asks him to do, it, it's, I think it's just really special. And the, he just constantly executes at a really high level in every facet of the game. Yeah, so so it sounds like me and you got the same top five, except um, I have Ivy ahead of Johnny right now. Um, yeah. But I understand exactly what you're talking about. And it's fascinating because that last game, I've watched the whole game when he, they were playing against Wisconsin. It was an awesome game. Um, mm-hmm. And it was weird because Ivy looked, you know, not disinterested, but he just looked, he looked frustrated. And I understand why he's been frustrated because if you're watching him as an evaluator, you're like, just give him the fucking ball and let him go. Like, it's so annoying. Like, you're just like, you have a freight train out of hell and you're leaving it at the station. So wait, so, so you're telling me that you didn't tune into that game for the Tyler Wall, Zach Eady post up battle? No, I did not. Weird. I did Weird. not. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, they're treating Edie like he averages 20 and 20, and, and it, it really does frustrate me. But I understand when you have pretty much Andre the Giant in the center of the paint, you might think that's an offensive thing, but it just frustrates me. So the defense is really interesting because um, I've, I've talked about this on previous podcasts with, with Metcalf. He basically just makes a statement and then it's like launching a seed in my brain for five hours. So now I was like, Oh boy, I'm going to have to watch Jaden Ivy film late tonight now, just defensively. But you know, the thing with him is um, this is, it's a weird um, characteristic of some guys that are pretty much the stars of team. And and I don't like it, but I understand it. Um, I think when you're the guy um, and, and you're, you're taking the reins of the team. You're relied upon to carry the load offensively. I think you could coast defensively, kind of try to store some energy. And I'm not trying to give excuses, but I think he's such a competitor and I think he's got the passion to play with the game. Mm -hmm. I think he can become a really nasty defender, but I need to go. I just need to go watch more, but I understand what you're saying with like Johnny's been, Johnny had a couple of plays in that game defensively. I was like, man, okay, that was nice. Like you can see it. Like he's, he's willing to go to war, but um, I still think Ivy can be up there. It's just fascinating. Like I'm right now at the point where I'm going pretty much one by one, just watching guys throughout the entire year, because now we're at March madness. We've, we almost got the full slate and Ivy and Johnny's going to be one of my favorite debates. Because I feel like you watch one and you're like, oh, this is fun. And then you watch Johnny Davis mid-range. And you're like, oh, boy. And then you go see Ivy in transition. You're like, gosh. So, like, they're, it's almost becoming a more exciting debate than the top three. Because it's just those guys are so unique, so special. Um, their NBA skills are, like, different. You know, because Johnny's going to be this mid-range assassin. Um, Jaden's just going to give everyone Morant vibes. So, it's going to be fun. I, I'm excited for those two, especially in the tournament. Like I want to see mm-hmm. which one of their teams gets farther. What do they do to step up? Because I think both of those guys are just elite competitors. Those guys are fierce. Yeah. And I I think at this point, I'm pretty much in the minority having Davis over um, Ivy at this point. Um, and I've seen a lot of people even talking about, could Ivy go number one, which 
for me that no, but, and I, I just want to kind of take off the rose colored glasses here for a second. And yes, I, I know there are some flaws in Johnny Davis's game. Um, but like when we talk about the defense, Johnny's not like the most technically sound defender out there. He's really good at avoiding screens. His off ball awareness is excellent, but, and his on ball footwork is really sloppy where he's crossing his feet and turning his hips all the time, but he's always fighting. He's always recovering. He's always working. He's always there. So even though like the technical standpoint, isn't the most impressive, like you said, that competitiveness, that desire to at least get in the way to be disruptive, to be obnoxious, I think is so important. And if you can, if if you can give me a guy with that mindset on defense and offense, then I feel more comfortable about being able to teach him how to slide his feet. So that, that that's kind of where I am at. And in the past, I've really struggled kind of separating a player's skill set from situation and how that situation negatively affects it. Um, and may, maybe that's just the case for Ivy's defense um, right now, because I, and we both think that he has certainly the physical tools to be a good defender. Um, I, we both view him as an awesome competitor. So maybe it's just a standpoint of what he's being asked to do on that end. But I, I think there's so much on defense for him to show that he really hasn't this year. They're both, they're, they're both good enough that I think one, all it takes is one franchise. All it takes is one organization to fall in love. Like I think they are both good enough that we might be watching the draft and all of a sudden the third pick is one of them. And I just be like, whoa. And I know everyone's thinking like Ivy could be up there in front of Ben Caro or whatever you want to say, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny goes that high. I, I really do think someone's going to be very fond of their intangibles, um, just kind of the the type of competitor and players they are. And, and Johnny's been absolutely sensational. I really do think the defense is starting to impress me even more. And I, I'm right there with you. I, I think he's got some stuff you got to clean up when it comes to fundamentals and stuff, but off the ball, like kind of when it comes mm-hmm. to rotations, he's had some nice protections at the rim. I don't know where I'm like, Oh my, okay. That's a basketball play. But Ivy's also shown some stuff like that too. So, so yeah. it's going to be, it's fun. I I'm almost weirdly more excited for comparing those. Like, cause that is going to be absolute warfare, like going between those two when it comes to your final evaluations. Um, I already know what the, top three is going to be that type of monster. But then I'm going to get to a point where I'm like, okay, do one of these guys need to get into the top three? So yeah, I think that might be the toughest evaluation of all. So um, I'm, I'm right there with you. It, it's just, I thought this draft class was going to be like a top three. Now I'm really getting pumped about like mm-hmm. the top five, six, seven. Like I, I, I think there's some serious fun pieces at the top that um, a lot of people are, starting to come around on it feels like it feels like people are starting to get comfortable with like the top seven or eight now and it's like cool let's keep go keep those numbers going up boys like let's go boys and girls yeah and i it, it's almost too on brand that i took a conversation about the top three and pivoted it into a 10 minute debate on johnny davis um but before we move on i, I just i, I want to circle back to chet and jabari and kind of pick your brain on I, I believe you have Chet right number one right now, and I think you've had him there for most of the year. I've but... had him every 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 damn day. I've had him since the beginning of time. What would Jabari need to do, or is there anything he could do to sh- to leapfrog Chet in the next month? I mean, I, I and if not, what does Chet do right now that separates him so clearly for you? My the problem is is like people are gonna hear me say I have Jabari too, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, you're not high you on Jabari." Him. No, I love Jabari, <laughs> like love Jabari. Um, like people can call me crazy. I, I I even threw this at the No Ceilings crew. I was like, the guy gives me KG vibes, like with some of his shots he takes, just like kind of one of those like pull-ups and, and on the elbow like stuff like that just some of the stuff yeah. he does on the perimeter and i'm not saying he's kevin garnett no one ever is gonna be but just the way he moves on the court um he's got some feistiness i love jabari i, I really do think that's the guy that is gonna have a very seamless like, transition when it comes to every team's gonna be like he'll fit 
he will be fine. We will, he will fit us in any way. Um, I just, man, this, the thin man is so damn fun. I, I, I love watching Chet. Um, I'm just a sucker for guys that can do a bit of everything. Everyone's going to talk about the frame. And someone I really trust in the scouting world, I asked in the beginning of the year, just kind of trying to be like playful. I was like, are you worried about the frame? And he's like, the frame gets people fired if you're worried about it too much. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that'll shut me up. So, and it's not just the fact that he's skinny. It's his mentality. Like he knows you're coming after him. He knows you're looking at him like, I'm going to overpower this guy. And he welcomes it. Um, and then he goes at people like he, he plays his ass off. Um, just everything I've heard when it comes to Intel about Chet, I've loved. Um, and I don't want to rant too long, but I just think that is going to be a really special defensive player at the NBA level when it comes to floor awareness, like rotating his shot blocking. He's absolutely incredible. Um, I just, I really do think like, it's weird. It, I don't think of it as like a bad thing that Jabari's too. Um, yeah, because he he's been incredible this year. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I've had nights for everyone listening where I'm like, Man, Jabari might need to be up there. And, and, and I, it's it's been uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden, I, I watch the next Chet game, and he goes berserk, and I'm like, okay, there you go. Like, <laughs> and then Jabari goes back and does it again. So. I don't know. It's just fascinating to me what Jabari's done offensively um, because some of the shots he's hitting is really impressive. It's not just like hitting wide open shots. It's it's taking over games. And you're seeing the confidence with both those guys just absolutely thriving. So um, I don't know. What do you feel about, what do you feel about it? Metcalf? Like, is there something Jabari can do to get ahead or are you still, and I, it's not like a prideful thing where I'm nervous to move Chet down. It's just everything I've watched with Chet, yeah. I, I'm absolutely fascinated. Yeah, and my big concern with Jabari is that he doesn't – he's so uncomfortable dribbling the ball, and he's so ineffective finishing at the rim. Um, that it, It's just weird because someone of his athletic gifts, his size, it, it just feels weird. Um, I, but then he's arguably one of the best, if not the best shooters in the entire class. And when he takes out one, two dribble pull up or that jab step pull up, it's lethal. It's unstoppable. And then I love pretty much everything he does on defense. He's not a great rim protector, but he's a six ten forward who can switch on anyone on the perimeter and ruin their life. Um, so I, I, I'm right with you. I, I absolutely love Jabari, I just I'm not sure that he has this Paul George upside that a lot of people are claiming because he does not have Paul George's handles. Um, and if you're pegging, if you're billing him as that type of player, I think you're going to be disappointed. But if you're viewing him more as like a second or third option who can't, who has a lot of on ball equity, who's this defensive monster and will knock down any shot you give him, I think you're you're taking that every day just the uniqueness of chet is almost impossible for me to pass up um go ahead can i can i ask a weird question and um it might set off a atomic bomb in my mind why does everyone keep considering jabari as a wing is it just because he plays on the perimeter because he because he shoots the way he does, and but he, I've, he has I've, the fluidity and athleticism of other wings. I mean, he's a power forward. Yeah, yeah, he's a power forward that can stretch the floor. He's and he's a power forward five. that is yeah. a dream um, transition for the modern NBA because he plays like a power forward and he can hit the three ball. But like, I keep seeing guys be like, "Oh, he's he's a wing," and I'm like, "Are we saying he's a wing because he shoots threes and yes. and can play out there?" Yeah, which I might need. Which is the wrong way to look at it because I'm with you. He he's a power forward. I'm not playing him at the three. Um, yeah, 
I might need I don't, tequila he, he, if that's the, if that's what everyone's thinking. I might need tequila. So he he doesn't have the on ball equity to create his own shot or create for others that we're seeing most threes have now. The yeah the entire the entire NBA offense is perimeter based now. Just because he plays on the perimeter, he shoots from the perimeter does not make him a wing. He is yeah no I'm I'm right with you. He he's a power forward who can switch pretty much everything defensively and be the best shooter on your team. And that's why I have him too is his defense. I've been like, you did a fantastic breakdown on his defensive footwork in the beginning of the year for one of our YouTube videos. And he did it on our, our website, but I've watched him switch onto some, some smaller guards and, and the way he moves, his feet are, Oh my gosh. Like I, I, I could watch a highlight of just that for 10 minutes. Like it, it is unbelievable how quick he can get laterally, get side to side. Like that is the stuff but- and he's in like a full dream. squat the entire yes, time. It, like my, it, my legs are sore after watching. It's yes, like, oh it, my god. It it is all energy and passion and giving a shit. Like it, yeah. he is I love it. Um and that's why I got him too. And, and it, it's also not a knock against Paulo. It, it's just that's where how impressive I think Jabari's been. Um you're talking about a guy that came into the year everyone thought he was just going to be a nice offensive piece for Auburn with mm-hmm. the ability to potentially stretch the floor. Now he looks like a two-way freak of nature that can hit pull-up threes and go coast to coast. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's a good one. I, I really, because I really struggled with not having him one. And, and then I just kept watching Chet. I've watched those two closely, and I'm like, man, those guys are both just so special. It's gotten to yeah. a point where if you have Jabari one, I, I don't see anything I, wrong with I it. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I get it. And if he goes one on draft night, I'm not going to be like, Dumb idiots. No, no. I'm gonna be like, like, be like got a player. <laughs> they're, gonna be, they're, they're gonna be happy. Yeah, like, it, whoever's it, at two is like, yeah, you're gonna be happy too. Um, but I we could talk about these two for days. Yeah. yeah. Um. So l- let's move on to w- what is your second storyline that's a, a little spicier and a, a little more unlikely, but you could still see happening. Um. So I'm doing spicy. Yeah. Okay. All right. You ready for this one, Mr. Metcalf? I, I doubt I am. Trevor Keels is going to play oh, himself God. into the lottery. Yes, let's go. Yeah, you guys thought I was getting quiet on this, and I'm only heating up. I really think it's going to happen. Um, I, I think the outside shot's coming along. I think if Duke is going to have a tournament run, it is going to be because Trevor Keels. I know what Paulo's going to do. I know how much me and you love Mark Williams. He's going to keep yep. doing his thing. But Trevor Keels can push the needle forward for Duke. He can be a game-changing presence. And if he keeps shooting like he's been shooting lately, I think that stock's going to be sizzling. And I'm talking being at Benny Hanna and watching them throw your food on the table sizzling. Like It's going to be the onion volcano, so... That's that's my spicy take, and I'm horrified for my lava take later because everyone's going to be like, <laughs> "Let's turn this off." Okay, so so you don't have any concerns about him being in the 18th percentile on wide open catch and shoot? Attempts? Nope, nope. Okay. I've watched the last slate of games, <laughs> and it looks like a different player. And I'm telling you, people better. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill. I, I think this guy is going to be a heck of an asset at the next level still extremely young i think the shot's gonna come around i I love how he plays defense i also think he's got playmaking ability no throw those numbers in the damn garbage can i I don't care because i've watched what he's doing lately he struggled all year shooting from outside after Mm -hmm. the really impressive game in the beginning of the season um i think the last like five games or something around that area he's like in the 40 percent so he he's really starting to come into his own. Um, I don't know. That you wanted me to get some spicy takes. There's there's no, my spicy tight. No, that's fine. I, I I like heels. Not not nearly as much as you do. Yes, but I I, I really like him. Um, so I, in his last however many games here, I'm just going to run through his three point. Um, so it's f- five of eight, one of four, one of four, three of eight, one of three, one of two, three of six, one of three, three of four. So that, that's like about his last 10 games or so. So not, not bad numbers, low volume, decent efficiency. Um, oh, I'm going to get my what, numbers now too. Mr. No, that's Metcalf. fine. 
No, I, 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 I want to take that to pivot into what, what is he in the NBA? I know you, you've been saying Marcus Smart all year, but do you view him as eventually like a, a starting point guard or more of an off guard? Um, I, I, I'm kind of considering him probably to be a, a point guard, a more of a point guard. I, the problem is, is when I say Marcus Smart, I'm not saying like he's Marcus Smart defensively. He's Marcus Smart 2.0. I'm just saying, I think that's the type of player he's going to be. I think he's going to be that impactful presence that might be a sixth man early on, but he's, he's a game wrecker. And, and I think he could come in and, give you great minutes. If you need uh, a point guard to take control of the offense, um, if you need someone to play off the ball while maybe you have like a, a star point guard, that is your offensive force. He can come in and be a great backcourt mate. I just think he's like a, a utility weapon. Like he's going to be a Swiss army knife where you can get a lot of good basketball out of Trevor Keels. And, you know, he moves laterally so damn quick. He's built like a linebacker. I just think he he's nasty. Like he has that, what you're talking about with like Johnny Davis, where it, it is the competitiveness. It is, I'm stopping you. You're going to have a miserable night with me guarding you. Like, I just think that he has that. And, and there's still so much upside. He's going to be very young on draft day. Um, Metcalf just read all those numbers out and he made me look like a fool. Well, guess what? I'm going to throw it right back. Uh, his last seven games, he's averaging 14.6, 5.0 rebounds, 3.0 assists, 55% from the floor, and 42.9% from three. So, yeah, yeah. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. And I'm yeah, the, staying the, there. I, I didn't make you look like a fool. Those are the exact <laughs> numbers that, that well, I just the way you, you said just, it. You, you just put it in percentage form. <laughs> you, you threw it like it was like a, I heard some one for sixes, and I was like, okay, everyone's going to hear that and be like, okay, he can't shoot. I just think – the shot is what was holding him back. And yes. now we're seeing a little bit of a flash of like, he could go in the tournament and go ice cold. And I'll be like, all right, shit, here we go. <laughs> but he also, this could be like building confidence to all of a sudden, if that's coming around in the tournament and he's having some 16.5 rebound, five assist games with a couple steals, then I'm like, okay, that's, a, that's going to be a nice piece. And mm-hmm. Um, I still think there's just a lot of question marks with with the guards and like kind of outside when you were talking about like the point guard class, if you want to put Keels as a natural point guard. Um, I still just think he's going to be a combo guard that someone might be like, hey, we're going to get a weapon here and Mm -hmm. he might need time to get the offense to be more consistency. But um, I just really like how he plays defense. Damn, he's a damn pest. So, yeah. Now I had to defend myself for like 15 minutes on Trevor Keels, but I will do longer if I have to. No, no I, I, I like Keels. I really like his potential. It's for me, it's just the consistency. And yes, I, I think a big issue with that consistency is that he's one of the youngest guys in this draft, which you pointed out. And shocker, young kids aren't super consistent, so it's not surprising. Um, just selfishly it'd make my life a little easier if he was a little more consistent right, um, right so right. i I, de- I definitely like what he could develop into what he could be and I, the the type of player that you're describing i don't think is super outlandish as an outcome because we we have seen multiple games and multiple flashes of it throughout the season so i definitely think there is a guy that can really be molded into something there's into someone who produces at a really high level um in the nba yeah And, you know, I'm not trying to throw someone randomly under the bus, but, like, I still feel like kills can make an impact in the NBA in a a number of different ways. Like, say, I'm not trying to throw someone, like I said, I'm not trying to throw someone under the bus, but, like, John Montero. Let's say, undersized point guard, he comes in the NBA, and and he he just really, the shot or, you know, his creation when it comes is just not working. So what's Montero going to be? Like, I think if if Keel struggles to get his shot rolling early on in his career, he's still going to probably be a really damn good defender. He's mm-hmm. probably going to understand, like, how to make plays for his team. I, I just think that's where I'm buying into him. And I know this is rich for a lot of people's taste. I know some people have him late first round. Like, I get I just think anywhere he goes, he's going to be a fun developmental project. 
Yeah, and I, I have him at like twenty two ish right now. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, that can fluctuate two to three spots on any given day, obviously. But I, I think that that point you just made was really important because when we talk about the potential for a lot of these guys and what they could grow into, the idealized version is what we always think about. And it's always so grand and beautiful. It's like, yes, thank God. But then for, I think what really separates a lot of these kind of, you know, this could sound like an insult and I don't mean it to, but like these mid tier prospects is what if this thing that needs to go right doesn't, Mm -hmm. who are they then? And for a lot of the guys, it's, they're not an NBA guy. They're, playing overseas they're doing something else but for the ones who make it and the ones who stay at least at the end of a rotation or the end of a bench or at least have an nba career they're the ones who okay this didn't go right okay well then i became this and i leaned on this skill and this and i i think you pointing out that trevor keels has that versatility and those different things to kind of fall back on if say the shooting doesn't really take a leap if the playmaking takes a step back or whatever. I think that's really important because there are all of these different avenues that he can go down if a roadblock pops up on one of them. Yeah. And that's kind of why I have a soft spot for guys like that, because I'm like, well, he still makes a bunch of damn plays. Even if the shot isn't falling, like he's still impacting the game. He's still showing that he can be a really key piece out there. So that's why I'm just kind of in love with the upside. Cause I think if the shot comes around, that's a heck of a player. Um, and, and I think NBA teams are going to be intrigued with that, but you know, enough keels talk to me. What's your, what's your spicy. Let's, let's get on the Metcalf train. What's going on. Okay. So for, for my current rankings, me personally, this isn't that spicy. This is like, yeah, no shit. Uh, but for everyone else out there, um, maybe it's a little too spicy, but Max Christie will emerge as a lottery talent. Ooh, that is that is getting a little spice. Okay, so I'm. We need to talk about Max Christie. Yeah, I'm struggling. I know. I, I know. I, I'm struggling. We, me, and Metcalf. For anyone listening, I've been and some guys at No Ceilings. I mean, and, and just some people in the draft world. Like I've been loving Max Christie in the beginning of the year. I thought this was my guy. Um, I watched that game. I think it was against Butler, and he had a couple moves, and I was like, oh my gosh, I am in love. Like literally was playing like careless whisper in the background while watching one of his step throughs. So I'm just so confused. I, I I don't know. Should he declare? Probably not. I really want right? him to. So I, I, so I, I did this to you before I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> humble myself now. So I'll, I'll just run through his three point, um, his recent three point performances. So 0 for 2, 1 of 3, 1 of 4, 0 for 2, 0 for 4, 0 for 1, 0 for 0, 2 for 8, 0 for 3, 3 of 4, 0 for 3, 2 of 2, 0 for 5. And then we get into that stretch of games where he was actually impressive. So that that's a really long stretch of not shooting it well from outside for a guy who I think could be the best shooter from this class, which is a weird statement. It's really strange. It's a really strange year. Like, it is a really strange year um, because when he shows those flashes, he looks like a lottery pick, um, but it's just not falling. And then he teases a couple of strong games and then all of a sudden it's back to ground zero. Um, and he's the one puzzling me more. Like it used to be Caleb Houston. Now I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with thinking Caleb should go. Um but Christie's the one that won't escape my head. Like that is still the one that keeps me up at night because I really love his game, but I don't, I don't know if he should go. So th- that is, spi- that's a little spicy, but I do like that. Um, oh boy. Yeah. I, I just, everything he does screams NBA shooting guard to me, besides the fact that he's currently not shooting well. Um, I love how he moves off ball. I, I think he's going to be a really good defender, too. His his defensive footwork is really, really strong. Um, and then I think he has the frame to add a good amount of muscle. And I want to put the shooting, uh, the outside shooting struggles on that right now because I think – because he, he is a really skinny guy right now. Um, and I want to think that as he gets stronger, that shot from outside will become more consistent – because when he curls off those pin downs in the mid range, it's 
money every time. And I think his shooting mechanics are absolutely beautiful. Um, so I just, everything he does on both sides of the ball, it's just like, you're an NBA player. Now, if you could just start knocking down some threes, uh, that would be awesome. And Michigan state always ends up going on these runs in the postseason. So if he gets hot, that's when Michigan state, I think really takes that jump and starts having some of these upsets and getting on people's radars because everyone always loves to watch Izzo come March. And so eyes are going to be on him already. Just looking at ESPN's current bracketology, obviously this will change, but there's currently a seven, seven seed matching up against Miami right now. I think they would win that game and then they would play Auburn and that would be a lot of fun. Um, just seeing him face the athleticism on that defense would be, I think, a really good test for him. And then if he starts knocking down shots, even if they lose, but if he gets 15 to 20 points on six of eight shooting, that I think that would do wonders for him. Yeah, I think, you know, Christie might be one of the prospects that needs the tournament the most because that's going to swing one way or the other. Um, like you say, if he has a strong first game and, and, open some eyes um, that draft stock could all of a sudden really catch fire. Um, but if he does what he keeps, you know, if he has one of those letdowns then that might cement, he needs to go back. He's just fascinating to me because it, it's exactly what you said. Metcalf it is everything looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, the footwork, the, the shot, the, like his ability to pull up on a dime, everything's just so damn smooth, but it's just like, I swear if you watched him and didn't look at his stats, you'd be drooling. And and then you just kind of look at the numbers. You're like, man, like what's going on. (laughs) And it's just frustrating because I remember watching that game in the beginning of the year. And I was just like, Oh, I'm in love. I love this. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be a really good sneaky lottery guy. And now I'm just like, I don't know because if he went back and took off, like uh, he could be a top 10 pick. And I know it's very early. Right. I know it's very early, but I'm just saying like, if he went back, added weight, spent the off season, in the weight room shot, like he looks like he can shoot and his points per game just jumped to like 15 or 16 or 17, like that range with, with efficiency and shows that he can be a pest defensively. I mean, he, Oh, it would be awesome. Like he would definitely be in that conversation as a lottery pick, but Oh boy, that that is a good one because I, I want to believe so damn bad. It's like, I don't want to turn my back on him because I just still love his upside, but yeah, that's pretty spicy. Okay. Let, let, <laughs> let's get to your third one. What What is your, your boiling lava hot? I struggled so Sorry. bad with this one because I, I wanted to get just, bonkers i wanted people to like be like what is wrong with this guy like i was just like i don't care if everyone comes at me they already are so i was like what can i do that just sets everyone on fire so boy here we go there's no turning back now justin lewis is gonna play himself into the lottery yeah let's go don't stop believing. Yeah, you wanted lava. I gave you lava. That is an erupting volcano. I love Justin Lewis. I I don't know what it is. I can't put words on it. I'm gonna try right now because everyone's listening. But I love this dude. I, I think this guy has just a serious ability to be a, a potential weapon at the NBA level. I mean. He's got size. He's got length. He's got a freakish build that he can move quick. Um, He keeps showing fantastic versatility offensively. The three-point shots, high release. He's got confidence in it. He plays with some swagger. The defense is the only thing, I think, holding him back from being potentially like an actual serious top 20 pick. So if some team is convinced that it could come around i might not be insane but for everyone that thinks i'm hannibal lecter in a straight jacket right now it's okay we were supposed to get a little weird with this and you know metcalf asked me for a lava take and 
That was my first thought. I, I, I just, I'm going to believe. Do I think he's actually going to? No. Let's calm down. <laughs> but we're having fun here. It's Thursday night. We're, we're getting excited for the weekend, you know? So yeah, there, there's my lava take. I, I just really have been impressed with the mobility and kind of the, he's a slithery. He, he can do some things that, I think he's like what six six seven six eight like two forty. I mean, he could just do some things off the dribble that you're like, okay, this is yeah. nice. Yeah, and his. So I I, I currently have Lewis at like thirty eight. Um, mm-hmm. so I I well that's because that, you're that wrong. Would, that would be <laughs> won't be the first time, won't be the last. Um, I have I, him at twenty two. So everyone, just remember this. I have him at twenty two. You can either I, make fun of me. I like him, crazy. but like you mentioned, I worry about the defense. Um, right. For for this to come to fruition, he would have to go on a monster run, I think. And I just kind of looking at ESPN's current bracketology, uh, currently the seven seed facing yeah. San Francisco, who's a good yeah. team, but I think they should win that. And then they would face Purdue. Yes. Who I think he would be a matchup nightmare for that team because who's I mean, he's bigger than anyone who's quick enough to guard him. And he's too quick for anyone big enough to go to guard him. If that and his lower base might be bigger than Zach Eddie's. Yeah. I'm not kidding. It might be yeah. like he he might say Zach Eddie, welcome to the house of pain. Like I I understand. I this is just being fun. We're getting crazy. I'm just saying like and I'm I also made my lava take thinking like okay I was supposed to consider maybe the the workouts and all that process. So like I'm not just saying this off of only the tournament, but I probably should have, but Hey, crazier things can happen. You never know. What if he puts up 30, the first game and then gives Purdue the business and they somehow lose a heartbreaker. And he had like 28 or something. I don't know. Crazier things can happen. They, they, they have, I mean, Jalen Smith won in the lottery. So anything is possible. Um, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of Suns fans listening to this, so that is too soon. Actually, yeah, they, well, them, so. they got Tory Craig back, pick. so actually, it might have been worth the pick. It was a bad pick at the time, so you know. But I, I, I want to go back to Justin Lewis's offense because mm-hmm. that that is obviously where he's going to make make his money. Um, I think the mm-hmm. outside shot it's not awesome right now, but it's legitimate, and I think it will be in time. What he does attacking closeups, though, that's that's the special part where he's Euro stepping guys. He's taking guys off the dribble. He's pulling up for two dribble or two dribble, pull up mid range jumpers. He's dunking on guys at the rim when they're late to rotate. So all of that, that's where it's like, okay, if, if he's paired with a point guard who can really put pressure on the rim and find guys on kickouts and stuff like that, then that's where he's going to, thrive at attacking closeouts and rotations and he his passing vision out of those situations is really impressive too the accuracy is a little erratic but the the fact that he's looking and seeing those passes for his position and age that that's really special and i think as he continues to develop and as the kind of game mentally slows down a little bit for him it, it wouldn't surprise me if we really see the player that you're talking about right now because the the tools the foundation are there and it's just when and where is he going to take that leap? Because I, I definitely think it's there. Yeah. I, I, I And like I said, I, I might be buying into the idea that he's going to also create some steam with the entire like workouts, interviews, when he gets in front of teams. I, I still think that teams are going to be a little intrigued or fascinated with him because I, I've – I've seen reports of like his wingspan being a number that I was like, if that actually becomes true, that is going to open some eyes. And, um, you know, I, I watched their most recent game against the Paul and he had a close, he had a drive on closeout and he threw down a dunk. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he looked like inspector gadget with where he took off and how aggressive he got downhill. So I'm like you, I think there's a really good foundation there. There just needs to be one team that's like, we will figure him out defensively. Like we, we will get him to work because if you can do that, there's a special talent there. Like there's a really, really damn good basketball player waiting to rise to the surface. So hit me with the lava take, Mr. Metcalf. I need, I need some, I need you to get a little crazy after what I just did. You know, I don't think it's that crazy. (laughs) 
It's gonna be a long weekend. Yeah, it's gonna um, be a long, <laughs> long, long three months. What are you talking about? Long week. Wait. Um. Okay. So this is someone who I have forty fourth on my board. Who Whoa, I, okay. who I r- wrote about recently. Who I believe. You also are really struggling to buy in on. Wait, and whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I guessed I, wrong. Okay, go ahead. I, I'm saying, or a, a potential storyline that could come out of this postseason is that Blake Wesley should be a top 10 pick. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say this. I was going to say Wesley the lottery, and you wouldn't even hire. Wow, the Justin Lewis call is not as bad now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Okay, talk to me why. What 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 does he need to do? What does he okay, need to well, do? Okay, well, because I do let me think just this re- is realistic. It's just not as lava as my volcano. So I just want to run through his last six games here because he's really starting to kind of heat up. So twenty one points on five of six from three, seven of twelve from from the floor, eighteen points on one of four from three, six of fifteen from the floor, twenty four points, six of eleven from three, seven of fourteen from the floor, thirteen on two of eight from three, three of thirteen from the floor, fifteen points on two of five from three, five of nine from the floor, and twenty one points on zero of three and ten of twenty one from the floor. So the volume is there, the scoring opportunities are there, and he's kind of starting to heat up and put up big scoring numbers. I wrote about his space creation the other week. And that aspect of his game, his quick twitch movements, his ball handling, his ability to kind of get to wherever he wants on the floor, I think is really impressive. And in a postseason format where teams aren't, you know, scouting you as much or as heavily on a nightly basis, maybe that becomes a little more of a weapon. We've seen scoring guards go off in tournaments before and really juice their stock and kind of explode in draft rankings. I think Wesley is that type of electric scorer that if he continues to do this, where he's putting up 20 plus a night and knocking down a couple threes a game in the tournament, um, it wouldn't surprise me if people start coming out and being like, this guy's a top 10 pick. This guy's a top 10 pick. Um, I still want him to go back to school. I think that's where he should go. I know some people out there are already like, what are you talking about? I already have him as a top 10 pick. If you do congrats you're you're bolder than i am um but yeah yeah i talked about this with um steven on the draft capital that i did the other day um i said you know i I know i hinted about it with max christie earlier but i do think like this is the tournament is the biggest possible thing for blake wesley um it's going to decide if he goes or stays i i really do believe that he has the potential to all of a sudden drop 28 and shoot 48% from the field and 40% from three. And everyone's going to be like, Oh my gosh, did you see what Blake Wesley did? You know, like that buzz will get cooking and he could probably do it again. Um, that's how streaky guys do. Like if, if one game there, the basket looks like an ocean and obviously the next game, it could do the same thing. So I really do think it's going to be fascinating. Um, Top 10 is, oh boy, I would not sleep if I <laughs> took him top 10. But I do think like you, me and you talked about this Metcalf on a previous episode, I feel like, or mm-hmm. maybe it was with Nathan. I don't know. They, they're, they all blur together at this point. <laughs> Appreciate that. No, yeah. So I'm sorry because I really get excited for these, but then I just like I lose track. But um, he, he has a lot of fun tools. I, I really think that he's an exciting player. I just think he gets a little hero ball and yep. if you get hero ball in the tournament, it's going to go one or two ways. It, it is literally going to either scorch you or make you go back. So um, I don't know. I, I'm right there with you. I think he could really climb with a couple of good games. Um, especially if he really climbs, tests the waters, get some good feedback. Maybe he plays in the scrimmages. I don't know, but um, that's definitely one guy I'm going to be watching pretty close because if he heats up that stock is going to be fascinating to watch, but top 10. Yeah. Yeah, And just to kind of explain why I have him so low um, it's, it's the shooting. And Mm -hmm. I I know recently uh, his last seven or so games have really boosted those percentages, but among players who have a usage rate over 30, so high volume scorers, basically, he has the sixth worst true shooting percentage in the country. 
that's not great. Um, I think his shot selection is brutal. I think when he attacks the rim, he doesn't always have a plan. Uh, he, he actually showed a good amount of craft and kind of creativity in that realm um, in the Florida State game. But against Duke, Mark Williams just swallowed him up pretty regularly. Um, and those are the type of rim protectors he'll be facing in the NBA. And then the the shooting mechanics, I think, are an absolute disaster right now. I, I think me and you talked about this on an earlier episode, like you said, but they are different on every single shot. So if you can figure that out, add a little strength, then it's like, yeah, okay, now I'm more interested. But I think right now, I think he's going to require a lot of investment of time and resources to figure out different aspects of his game to really get him to an NBA ready scoring level. Um, But if he really hits a stride and is scoring 20, 25 a night here in these, in the conference and NCAA tournament, it, things are going to get crazier. We, we, we saw Johnny Jews and game talked about his lottery last year and that never made sense. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, Wesley has the the talent. There's no denying that. He just has bad habits. Yeah. Um and everyone that thinks I'm gonna dog him, it's like, okay, go watch go watch some of the shots he takes. Like I I saw him take a he took a guy off the dribble, got denied, like kind of lost his footing, and then took a fadeaway blind jumper with twenty seconds on the shot clock and it like barely hit the rim. And I was like Oh my gosh. And then there's also the other player. Like that's where I was talking about like the hero ball in the shot selection, but there's also the other player that like is a damn good basketball player mm-hmm. where he lets the game come to him. He can make some gorgeous dimes for like dump offs when he's attacking lane, like read the defense when he lets things come to him and he does not force the issue. Yeah. I, I buy the Blake Wesley lottery hype that everyone was talking about, but the hero ball, the, the shot selection, the forcing, like he, he looks like he has that mentality sometimes. And I don't know if it's because of the team he's playing with or just the position that he's been put into, but he looks like he has this mentality of like, I have to score. And it's like, well, sometimes when you, when he moves the ball, like there's a damn good basketball player when Mm -hmm. he he trusts the, the system and lets the game come to him. But um, I just think like the shot mechanics is really important. Um, because he just has some really bad tendencies. Like he brings the ball below his knees on some load ups. It's really weird. So yeah, I I do think like the conference play, um, the tournament, if he can have a couple heaters, that's going to make the conversation a little bit more interesting, but I'm like you, I'm still rooting for him to go back because I think that stock could just skyrocket if he approaches it the right way. But you know, top 10, he, he, I, I need what you're drinking. I obviously, you know, I get the wrong stuff, but uh, it'll be interesting. That's, that's definitely yeah. a good one. What, what do you, well, you got anything else? Yeah, I mean, do you have any other storylines we didn't talk about? Just kind of open mic it or what? Um, I don't think so. And I, I think that conversation of the top five will be really interesting. Um, especially if like AJ Griffin or Ke- Keegan Murray um, kind of do big things and play their way into there into like the more consensus i know a lot of people have aj griffin that high already uh we're seeing some mocks with keegan murray going that high including the one we did yeah the other week um i don't know what about you aj's kind of creeping in my mind because i'm wondering if i'm wondering if he's gonna how he's gonna play um i feel like he's just kind of faded a little and people are not drinking that kool-aid anymore so I'm kind of excited to watch and see um, what he does early on because I think all he needs is another, you know, strong stretch like he was showing in the middle of the year where that could start getting serious again. Um, i trying to think who else. Ty Ty Washington, I still got a bone to pick with him. I, I just I, I just need him to get healthy and, like, play. Yeah, I, I, I just want to watch him. I want to have him <laughs> have a serious run, and I want to see, like, extended tie-tie. Um, Benedict Matherin, I, 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 I think he's got a shot to get up there. Not, I'm not saying the top four. I said I, I think he's just got a shot to get up to maybe, like, six in a surprise fact, especially if Arizona has a deep run. I, I just – I'm buying it. I think – I still think Ivy and Johnny will be selected before him, but <laughs> I, I think Matherin could have 
someone very intrigued, like above eight or seven, where they're like, hey, we really like him. Like he checks everything for us. Like, so I know that could be rich for some people, but I do think Matherin's shown enough over the years that I think he's got the chance to, to make some noise because now he's going to have the attention of everyone. If Arizona makes a deep, deep run, um, which they should, which they should. Um, I, I think people are going to be buzzing. I think people are yeah, going to be really and I, I have, I have Matherin at nine. So I, I a hundred percent see that. I, I think he's an NBA ready off ball scoring wing. Um, I think his off ball shooting, his athleticism, his cutting, all of that is, I think, going to be good to go from day one, basically. I I think the real question is, what is he going to end up being on defense? Um, I don't think he'll be bad, but a little better than he's been, I think, would be encouraging. At least it is like an on-ball. I don't know. He, he just underwhelms me for some reason as a defender because I think his athleticism just makes me think that they, there should be more more there. Um, not not saying he's bad by any means, but I don't know. It's there. Um, I promise you, like I, yeah. I've watched, it is there. Um, I think it needs to be consistent because I think it's one of those, like he's realizing he could be a, a, a bit of a pest defensively, but right. I think he's also just figuring it out because like, I've seen some mechanics with him where it's him like in stance guarding a screen and he just is right on someone's hip, like just the little stuff you don't see with right. like bugs you at sometimes when you're watching. Cause like, just like the coaches all out there would watch it and be like, Oh my gosh. Yes. And he's like made some, some steals just by being in someone's grill. Um, I've seen him make some reads on the court where like he's the last line of defense. He, he surveys the whole court and then all of a sudden just explodes at the last second for like a block at the rim where I'm like, Whoa, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning of the year, who was also showing like he was a pest, like bothering the ball, like competing. Um, I think you just need to see it more consistently because I think I know what you're talking about when you watch him. Um, but I think it's there. Like the upside is there. It just needs to be unlocked on a more consistent level because that's why I'm I'm so high on him because I think he can be a a bit of a you know a dog when it comes to defensive sure. ability at the next level. Um, and guys like that, you know, when you get in the NBA, all of a sudden you're, you're not going to be the, the offensive focal point. So you, you better bring it defensively because you're going to be a rookie that needs to get his, earn his shots. So I don't know that that one's going to be interesting. Um, still trying to figure out what Tari Eason's going to do, uh, see where he ends up on my board. So, yeah, I, I think I'm just pumped Metcalf. I'm just, yeah. I'm just excited. What else you got? Anything? I don't think so. I, I, I think that's kind of it for me. Do you, do you have anything else? Um, if not, I guess what's, as always, what's the best thing you saw recently? Uh, I, I, it's hard for me not to talk about that game. The the end of the Wisconsin Purdue game was just so insane. Um, I, I, the Johnny, Jane Ivy coming down hitting, or Johnny Davis hitting the big three, which was just absurd. And then Jaden Ivy coming down and hitting the three and, and then just the three, off the glass to to win it was just like oh my gosh that game was so awesome it, it it's been awesome to see all these games just now are getting just crazy right before March Madness like I, I I'm foaming at the mouth what about you Nick Stauskas hundred points in two games yes he's back Sauce Castillo <laughs> he's back get him, a, get him a contract I mean <laughs> Isaiah Isaiah's back in the NBA. We got to get Stauskas up there. I, I love it. it. It was when I saw those numbers, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then he did it again. And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> um, he low key also looks like ripped out of his mind now. So shout out Sauce, like, geez, yeah, was like yeah. Right, he, my he, man. He was, okay, he was so much fun in Michigan. God, that was a fun year. Um, but I, I don't need to go down memory lane. We're, we're over an hour in, so. Tyler, thank you for joining me. This was fun. Please tell the people where where they can find you, how they can support you. Um, at NoSeilingsNBA.com, we've got some very exciting stuff coming out soon. I, I, it's, I promise we keep saying that multiple times, but there's a reason why we've been waiting. So just keep, keep uh, supporting us. 
as I always say, the the growth we've seen with everything, including this podcast, including the YouTube, like it is awesome. I mean, it, it gets guys like me and Metcalf foaming at the mouth at seven in the morning. So thank you guys so much for your support. Um, yeah, I, I want to tell everything, but I can't. It, you guys are just going to have to see. So it, it's exciting. What about yourself, Metcalf? Plug away. What do you got? You got you're going to have a piece um tomorrow correct while everyone's listening to this you're gonna yes, get double uh, metcalf duty so so much metcalf well, one would say almost too much on a friday too much. Uh, <laughs> but i but by, by the time you're listening i my jalen williams piece should be out uh kind of go through his screening versatility i promise it's a lot more fun than just looking at a bunch of different screens um he, he he's a really unique offensive player that I, I'm still trying to really wrap my head around, but that should be out over on no ceilings NBA.com. So please make sure to go over there, read that and everything else we put out um, and subscribe Rucker hinted at, we got a lot of really cool stuff coming in the future, but we're still putting out really cool stuff pretty much daily, um, whether written or pods over at draft deeper or NBA deep dives or draft act podcast or stuff over on our YouTube um, at no ceilings TV, please make sure to go subscribe and follow all of it. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at no, no ceilings NBA doc or Jesus. Uh, no, there it is at no ceilings go. NBA on Twitter. Nailed that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at T Metcalf one, one. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating until next time. See you.